0: You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 62. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Lucinda Berry, who has written several best-selling psychological thrillers. Lucinda Berry's background is as unique as her stories. She is a trauma psychologist and a leading researcher in childhood trauma, living uh, in Los Angeles, California. She uses her clinical experience to create disturbing psychological thrillers that blur the lines between fiction and nonfiction. And she enjoys taking her readers on a journey through the dark recesses of the human psyche. We chat about uh, her background and writing in very uh, dark uh, subject matter and uh, how she pulls that all together and writes such uh, great uh, thrillers. That interview is coming right up. I'd like to remind you to please review and rate this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is that you uh, subscribe to the uh, podcast. It really helps me get the word out on this podcast. So, If you enjoy it, please uh, take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that. So here's my interview with uh, Lucinda Barry. Uh, Lucinda, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks, Alan. Glad to be here with you.
0: Tell me a little bit about yourself, please.
1: Again, I'm Lucinda Berry. Currently, I have four published works Missing Part, Phantom Lim, Appetite for Innocence, and then most recently, Saving Noah. So, I write psychological thrillers, partly um, because I'm actually a psychologist um, and I specialize in trauma. I'm based here in LA working at the National Center for Child Traumatic Stress. Everything that I write, is loosely
0: based on real cases and real events. Can you tell us a little bit about the genre and about your book?
1: Psychological thrillers are a little bit different than um, you know they fall under the umbrella of you know thrillers, mysteries and suspense but a true psychological thriller is really character driven so it's driven by the character, it's driven by what's going on in side of them versus some of the more like hard-boiled crime fiction where it's very like external like here's the clues try and you know figure it out and put it together um it's more um like I said it's more character driven and my books in particular all of them there is a theme of very like disturbing psychological phenomenon that's disturbing for us even people that work in the field So each one of the books looks at its core also has one of these like disturbing mental illnesses under like underlying the theme of the book. So for example, um, in Phantom Limb, underlying um, mental health themes are dissociative uh, disorders. And it's all about um, a girl um, coming to terms with different holes and uh, gaps. In her memory and where those come from and how they get there and really what happens when they go very, very bad. So what you'll find in a lot of my books is that it, it, it takes a mental illness and really gives you, like, the most extreme version of it.
0: See, now, it would be so difficult for somebody without your background to write a book like that. And uh, So I can see how, I mean, they've been so successful and they're, so, they're doing so well um, right. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be pretty impossible to Google your way through the, through, through something like that. <laughs>
1: right. I mean, it definitely would. I mean, I think that that's why um, people have been attracted to my book so well is because um, it really because of what I do and because of my experience and because of my background. I can get into a person's mental illness and in their head in a way that's um, much more authentic and real versus somebody that doesn't have that experience So you know there's been readers that have called you know you know somebody called them you know they're like reading psychological procedurals with like disturbing twists because um, of course it's a psychological thriller and you know um there's always that the twists that are worked in there but but yeah i mean definitely i don't think that i could write about the things that i write about um in a way that was realistic if i didn't have if i wasn't coming from the background um that i'm coming from
0: are your four books are they standalones or are they like a part of a series
1: no, nope, they're all, all four of them are standalones. I get asked a lot, particularly with Appetite for Innocence and Phantom Limb if um, there's going to be a sequel. There could be. I mean, there very well could be um, because there's um, some unanswered questions or characters that could come back. So there's definitely a possibility with those two. I've thought about writing um, a sequel to those two, but as of yet, I have not done so.
0: Well, that's really cool because of, you know, being in the, the indie forums and the that whole world everything is like you have to be serious you have to write a series and here you are being Mm -hmm. so successful with standalones i think that's so awesome
1: you know it was really interesting too because when i initially decided to um go the self-publishing route which you know now i'm a hybrid because i've you know made some other um decisions and directions but initially when i started i um You know, I just devoured everything that was out there for people that had been successful in the indie publishing world. And at first I was kind of disheartened because, you know, that's what you hear again and again is write the series, write the series, write the series, series. you know, that's what sells. And so I had to take a lot of that information and figure out what worked and what didn't work in regards to standalones. Uh, it was a, a bit more difficult because some of the like conventional wisdom just didn't apply in my case.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's just grabbing the advice and then kind of taking what, what you think is going to work for you. And yeah, so kind of take it. It's the whole thing of being an indie too. You can basically do what you right, want. So that's right. awesome how you. Yeah.
1: Well, and really my like the first book that I published was missing parts and it, never done well as any of the others and the reason and the reason for that is it was sort of my book that I wanted to, that I um, I mean I, it, it sounds terrible but it's the book that like if I was going to fail I was like okay I'll fail on this. Like I wanted to figure things out because I knew like Phantom Limb and Appetite for Innocence had the potential to be um, very successful but I didn't want to lead with those because I knew I'd make a lot of mistakes in the beginning if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. Because I was just learning, and so I wanted to make my mistakes with uh, something else first before I sort of came out with the two that I knew would be very successful.
0: How do you always wanted to to be a writer, even when you were going through all the schooling and all yeah, the yeah, yeah.
1: I actually um, so when I was little, when I was a little girl, I. I mean, my mom has kept boxes of all of the stories that I would write when I was young. Um, My mom, even like when I was little, like I've always like I've always had a dark disturbing (laughs) side to myself. And I I still remember there was this one story that I'd written um, and I was like nine years old and my mom still has it. And it's about this young girl who's dying of cancer. The whole story is about her watching her friends play outside her bedroom window, like as she's dying. And I remember, you know, my mom saying then, like, you know, can't you write anything that's happy? Because like none of my stories have ever been about like, you know, they've always just been really, really dark ever since I was young. And, you know, I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot in undergrad. I never did anything with anything that I wrote. Uh, it wasn't until after graduate school, because I actually stopped writing uh, creatively while I was in graduate school because it was just, I mean, I was just buried underneath so much acad- uh, academics that I just didn't even have time. But then, yeah, so then it was after that that I was really decided I wanted to, like, make a go at actually publishing some of the stuff that I'd
0: written. And so do you find that the uh, the, the writing the fiction... Um it helps you because I mean you I, I can't even imagine what you're dealing you know with the the, the job that you have I mean that's yeah
1: know, I mean I get uh, I see he, horrific things I i you know within mm-hmm. some of the worst parts of humanity so yeah it actually you know I have other obviously I have lots of friends that are psychologists um and they're like it, it they're like it's weird that you write like disturbing psychological things when you see so much in your day-to-day but it's it's different and then it's more of an escape for me when I write it creatively because I get to tackle it from a different place than I do professionally. Um, And I get to say, you know, and if I want, like, fictionally, I can kill off the bad guy, you know, like, I can't, I can't, like, (laughs) kill off the bad guy in my real work, you know, or I can tie it up in a way that, like, gets caught and punished. And those are some of the things that don't, um, unfortunately, don't happen a lot in the real world with some of the, like, real-world bad guys. An appetite for, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but, like, an appetite for innocence, the bad guy gets caught. And, unfortunately, a lot of times in... Uh, sex crimes you know the the bad guy does not get caught bad guy goes free so it's, it's nice to have areas and spaces where you know the bad the bad guy gets caught
0: and have you uh have you always been a fan of, uh, of of like thrillers
1: i have yes i've always as an adult yeah i mean i've just always gravitated to the genre i wanted you know one of the people that i was largely influenced way back was actually jodie piccolo because i think that like myself, um, she does a really good job of taking complex, really hard, complicated, real life issues and fictionalizing them in a way that makes people think about things differently. And I think that I do that in a very similar way um, with things that are psychological in, in nature, um, is, is making fictionalized accounts of those sort of real life things that make people think differently about them.
0: Crime fiction, you know, usually the the protagonist is a you know, FBI guy or, or 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 woman or a police officer. In psychological thrillers, who's usually like the protagonist?
1: For me, um, the protagonist um, in in what I write, which is a little bit different, mine mine tend um, to be the victim. So mine are like whoever crime, not necessarily crime, but whoever. Um, is being acted upon, like whoever is having something happen to them. So like in Phantom Limb, it's um, one of the sisters. In Appetite for Innocence, it's all told through um, the two different perspectives of two of the victims. So it's always the, the victims of, of, of something. And then within there, men, various um, mental health um, professionals or social workers or advocates that come into, that come into the scene that... Um, are always the people that sort of help put the pieces the pieces of the psychological puzzle together.
0: So is that sort of like a, a, I remember reading The Girl on the Train. I mean, that's that's considered a psychological
1: Correct. thriller. Yeah, or? like Girl on a Train is a really uh, is a is a um, psychological thriller that a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah, and and again, all of that journey is sort of like through her eyes. So it's, that story is largely character driven. It, which is it's much different than your your than your standard of crime fiction um there's not you know like with crime fiction there's not a lot internally um with the characters that you're aware of that's yeah. going on with them whereas with psychological thrillers almost everything is going on internally with them it's like their experience and you are living their experience with them um internally so your grappling with some of the same issues that they're grappling with you know trying to figure trying to figure things out
0: uh, does any of your uh, personality uh, go into New Year your characters at all i mean i know you think at the, the background obviously no but uh, um, what, what, what about it i mean else?
1: definitely you know an appetite for innocence there is a victim's advocate once the girls are freed from captivity um, there's a victim's advocate that they meet in the hospital that plays a central role in that book of helping them reintegrate, you know, because they've been kidnapped for years and helping them reintegrate back into society. And definitely that role um, of the victim's advocate is one that I have played numerous times in real life. So my personality and my work with victims certainly comes through in those instances. In uh, Phantom Limb, um, a big chunk of um, the book takes place within a psychiatric facility, um, an inpatient locked unit, and a lot of those characters are either pieces of me um, in the professional work that I do with people or pieces of other um, professionals that I know and work with closely. So yeah, a big part of like the helping professionals in all of my stories are have certainly have characteristics of my personality.
0: I don't know how much you can say about this, but you recently signed uh, a contract, so you're now officially a yes. hybrid, right?
1: <laughs> yes, I am. I am. I am. Congrats!
0: Is the next book that you're working on now? Is that going to be for under the contract or or? Yeah. So, your, well, actually, on there's
1: one um, um, that I will be releasing in about four or five months. That's not under contract. But then after that, my next two books um, are under contract with Thomas and Mercer.
0: That's what I was going to ask you too about your process. So, mm-hmm. you, uh, how many books do you usually publish? Are you like publishing like one a year or more than one?
1: Twenty sixteen, I just published one, um, and then twenty seventeen, I published uh, three, um, and it looks like that's what I'll do in twenty eighteen as well.
0: And what's your process? Do you do like, um, do you have like a, a detailed outline or do you just start writing?
1: You know, it's been different for every book. Phantom limb was something that was rolling around. It really took, Phantom Limb took me years to write um, because the story, again, was based on a really tragic story of um, a pair of identical twins that I knew in in real life that had suffered this huge loss. And the story had been rolling around in my head for years. um, And I'd written just different pieces and scenes of it um, while I was in graduate school. By the time I got to a place where I could actually sit down and write it, I had plotted the whole thing out already like I knew exactly what was going to happen when it was going to happen who it was going to happen to you know I knew the beginning the middle and the end all of it so um when I um sat down to write it I had a really detailed um outline of what was going to happen. but, you know, Appetite for Innocence was completely different. Um, when I started that book, I had no I, – I didn't outline whatsoever. I just started pounding it out, and I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know what was, you know, um, exactly going to happen. Like, I just had, you know, a basic idea of, like, the general plot, but what was going to happen um, and how things were going to be tied up at the end, I, I didn't know. Um So that one was very, very different. And then Saving Noah, which is the book that just came out in September. Um, that one I did, um, uh, sit down and plot. Um, and actually that one was was different too in that after the rough draft was finished, um, that book actually changed a lot, um, in, um, some of the things that happened in the plot, whereas my other ones, um, The plot line um, in the the major events stayed um, very similar as well as the ending, but um, Saving Noah once the rough draft was there, um, the story changed a lot in that one.
0: Do you think uh, going forward, is it going to be based project by project, whether or not you outline, or are you going to continue going that way? No,
1: I think think so. (laughs) Yeah, I think it will be um, a project by project um, uh, sort of a deal, yeah.
0: Yeah, your covers are so awesome. Um, <laughs>
1: cover Quill did them, by the way. And let me give a plug out to Rena. Cover Quill did all of my covers and she was amazing to work with. And people comment on my covers all the time. So you need a good cover artist. Cover Quill, is, I'll put my plug in there for her.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll, uh, I'll have a, a link on the show notes if people are on, on the website or whatever. But Cover <laughs> Quill, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, and... Um, so going going forward the, the the one you're working on now you haven't even started it yet uh... no I have, I have <laughs>
1: started your... it so I've started the next one oh. yeah 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 I've started the next one and then I have as part of um, uh, my contract I have rough outlines um, of the second book that I'll be doing with Thomas and Mercer
0: the difference between now having a contract are you is that what's the pressure, <laughs> pressure like now that you have deadlines that someone else is uh, expecting or is that you, were you putting deadlines on yourself anyway before?
1: I mean, I I was putting deadlines. Up. Actually, my deadlines are much more stringent than the ones they're putting on me. So I'm like, whoa, this feels really easy. Because I, yeah, I I drove a much harder schedule on myself than they're going to impose on me. So it's actually, I feel like, whoa, are you sure this seems too lenient?
0: Whoa, wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're, so you're, you're a tough boss.
1: <laughs> yes, I have a very tough boss. I have a very tough boss, that's
0: for sure. Uh, so, what's your once you're writing? What's the process like? Do you like try to write every day, and do you have like a word count that you try to meet, or? How- I do
1: now. You know, I in the last couple of years, yes. Now I, I I try to write every day. Um, it wasn't always like that, um, but once I got really serious of what I wanted to do and that I actually wanted to like make a sustainable living at this, I got really serious about it. Uh, so yes, I do try and write every day. There's been periods of time where I um, have given myself word counts that I try, that I want to meet every day. Um, A lot of that, um, the word count stuff, I'll do when I'm in the rough draft phase, um, when I'm just trying to like pound the story, like the basic um, parts of the story out um, and get it out. Um, I don't do, once it's out and I'm in like the rewriting and the revision um, part, I don't give myself word count um, just because I'm more concerned with the quality of the writing at that point than I am the quantity.
0: What do you use to write? Do you use like Word or use a a software? I
1: use Word. Yeah, I use Word and I use Word and I use a dinosaur laptop because I love it and I've been writing on it for years. In fact, I tried to get a new one, a new laptop this Christmas and I returned like three of them before I was like, I'm just sticking with my dinosaur uh, (laughs) because I've just been writing on it forever. So I'm just sticking with it till
0: it dies. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, so it's 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 what works. It's, what is it? George R. R. Martin writes in Dosto? still. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, I mean, and I completely, completely get it.
0: And so now your um, your your books have been doing so well. What was your um, plan, like a on a business side, like a big marketing plan, or did you just sort of publish them and see what kind of let them loose, or how did that work?
1: <laughs> with missing parts, it was the first one that I did. I figured out how to do everything with it, right? So it was like my guinea pig. I did a lot of things wrong with it and I'm glad that I had it prior, um, to releasing my other ones. Cause I, I, figured out, I mean, I figured out so many things through that. Like I figured out the importance of reviews. Um, I figured out about the importance of like having a newsletter and like having links to it in the back and how to do that. Um, Uh, the importance of a cover. Like, that book, I actually went through four different covers before I had a cover that sold. Because my first cover was, like, this super artsy, looked really cool cover. (laughs) Um, It was a beautiful cover, but it didn't hit the genre at all. Like, you saw the cover and you had, it didn't fit with, you wouldn't look at it and think, you know, psychological thriller whatsoever, you know. Because I didn't know the importance of a, of a cover that people could look at and say, oh, this is just like girl, you know, um, gone girl or whatever, you know, like, oh, this is just like good girl, you know? Um, so, um, you know, I had terrible covers initially, not terrible in the sense that they were done poorly, um, or that <laughs> they weren't beautiful. They just didn't hit what they needed to hit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, So then when it came to Phantom Limb, so when it was time to launch Phantom Limb, I did it very, very differently. I um, also, I didn't want to launch Phantom Limb until I had, you know, because at the same time that I launched Phantom Limb, I put Appetite for Innocence on pre-order. And so I wanted to make sure I had both of those um ready to go at the same time I had advanced reviews copies for Anna Lyn that I sent out and for that I mean it was like I sent out like thousands of queries to people um just to get you know a couple hundred responses and then on those couple hundred responses, you know you get a handful of people that actually do it um <laughs> but making sure I had good solid that my good my first like six to eight reviews were like good solid reviews from like real like, reviewers that were thorough and good um was really important um so yeah i had a i had um definitely a strategic plan when it came time um for phantom limb and it and it did well i mean it hit it out of the park sort of from the get-go and just kept rolling
0: yeah that's the thing that you were actually then uh, the thomas and mercer approached you which is you know sort of you know kind of unheard of uh mm-hmm. well, nowadays have you in the in the last couple of years at least so that's uh kind of speaks volumes as to how you how well your books are doing and how good they, they, they are that uh yeah were you uh when they first approached you were you kind of like hmm was this you know were you thinking about it or well actually I,
1: so how i sort of got on amazon's radar was that um so i released phantom limb and um it did really well um Was getting you know a lot of sales, um, a lot of good reviews, um, a lot of hype about the book, and about um, I think it was uh, right then, right about the time that Appetite um, launched, um, that did well as, as well. So it was right like. May, probably May or June, actually, Amazon Publishing contacted me then, um, and they contacted me through their imprint of Kindle Press, um, which normally um, does the Kindle Scout campaign. Um, but they also, they're moving, Kindle Press is is, is, is is changing things up with that imprint as far as who they're going to be within the Amazon Publishing. Domain, so um, Kindle Press contacted me about Phantom Limb and uh, um, we had some discussions um, and Kindle Press wanted to um, relaunch um, Phantom Limb under their imprint, Kindle Press. So we had lots of discussions. um, So that's how I initially came under their radar was um, through Kindle Press. And then that just started discussions with um, with them and their editors and stuff, and then when they launched Phantom Limited did really well as well. Uh, that's when Thomas and Mercer uh, contacted me, one of their acquisitions editors. So
0: well, that's interesting about Kindle Press. I had no idea I, uh, that I always thought that press they just published the Kindle Scout stuff. I didn't realize that they did other no. They're shifting stuff into like a yours. different model,
1: so. I think there will be more changes like that as Mm -hmm. well. And yeah, I had no idea. I'd never even heard of Kindle press. I had actually, I didn't even know what Kindle, like it was actually when they had first contacted, they had emailed me and um, I was like, Kindle press, like who is that? And at first I thought it was like, um, uh, just spam or like super scammy, like some scam artist. Because it's like, Amazon, you know, we're interested in you. And I was like, huh. <clears throat> then when I Googled Kindle Press, I was like, wait a minute, these guys do Kindle Scout. And so then I um, initially, when I emailed them back, I was like, I think you made a mistake, like, I'm not in Kindle, like, scout or whatever, you know, so it was actually funny, like, then I thought it was a mistake, I was like, no, I'm not one of your, like, scout, and they're like, no, we know that, <laughs> we're aware of that, we know who you are, <laughs> we are Amazon, um, so, yeah, um, I didn't know, it. I didn't know either.
0: Oh, that's funny, and how long does it take from, like, when you start, when they first approach you to you actually, is it, like, is it a lot of back and forth?
1: I think, well, um, Kindle Press was not a ton of back and forth. I mean, it was a little bit. But um, um, Thomas and Mercer, I had a lot of discussion. uh, Because with Kindle Press, it was just for um, Phantom Limb and the relaunching of that. And um, Thomas and Mercer felt like a a much more serious career move. So I wanted to be sure that things were... um, exactly how i wanted them and that i was, you know um that they were going to be able to do more for me than i could do for myself um and i just yeah it it felt like a much bigger career move than um when um i was just talking with Kindle press so yeah there was a uh, quite a bit of back and forth
0: i think it's so cool how things have changed in the publishing industry the last few years i mean like you said you know you want to make sure that they could do things for you that you couldn't do for yourself. I mean, that probably would have been unheard of for an author five, 10 years ago.
1: Right. Well, and I also think that it's, I I also think, um, um, I think we used to also be so eager to just have anyone interested in our work that we would, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh yes, please. You know? Um, but now that we have more, um, because there's been so many indies that are so successful like there's so many of them um that i think um we have a lot more um con- you know control and say over you know what's going to be the best um
0: move for us and are you still uh, are you still uh, working as a, as a psychologist mm-hmm. or are you like yes yes okay. yes <laughs> yeah oh, interesting and uh once you so once your new work in progress uh coming out you said it's coming out in 2018
1: uh, yes so my next one should probably if all goes well um it'll probably be like april of 2018
0: oh exciting mm-hmm. and, and uh, do you still find time to read or are you too busy now no
1: i do i mean i still um <laughs> i do i'm very busy but i don't I don't sleep much, so um, I do. I, I still, I still read. And actually, when I when I finish like a round of revisions or a rough draft, like I'll put it away for like at least a week or two, and I do it, and then I, you know, um, gobble up a ton of reading and mindless TV during that time just to rest my own creative side of my brain before I look at it again.
0: <laughs> kind of like a recovering time. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Okay, well, I'm not going to take too much more of your time, Lucinda, uh, but uh, it is, uh, where can the readers find you? Do you have your website? You said you have a newsletter as, as well? I do,
1: um, but probably the best place to find me is just on Facebook at Lucinda Berry.
0: Okay, and I'll have links to that on the on the website for the listeners. Um, so, but if you just search on Facebook, Lucinda Barry, you should be able. Yeah, you you be able be able find, find
1: me. Easy. Or you can, you know, if you're interested in my books, um, you can just go to my author page on Amazon, and they're all there as well.
0: Okay, and then uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, say to the readers, uh, the listeners, before I uh, let you go?
1: Just keep plugging away and do what's best for you
0: yeah i think that's uh that's so refreshing to hear because it's kind of like you said uh well what we've been talking about before uh, it's you you've done things very differently and it's very refreshing to see your success uh, It's kind of
1: yeah cool. yeah there's yeah i mean that's a good thing about the world we live in today is like there's just there's not just one path
0: anymore awesome okay well thanks so much for being on the uh, on the podcast.
1: thanks for having me Alan.
0: thank you for listening to this episode of meet the thriller author I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests, as well as information, uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast. And uh, please do visit my author website At alanpeterson.com I appreciate your support And so until next episode I will talk to you then